Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, Today is going to be our weekly instalment of UK markets and UK equities as well as looking at the global picture. And to do that, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Good morning, John. Good to be back. So we're looking outside today here, Alan, in in London. You're obviously down on the the south coast to a glorious day. And we're in holiday season is in full swing at the moment. Uh, Myself just got back from a, a weekend in Norway, which wasn't as sunny as it is here, um, but given that we're you know we're in August and traditionally in financial markets is a quieter period as uh, the city goes away um, for a large part of uh, of the month. We see very low volumes. We see big swings. So I think it's quite fitting today, Alan, because we've seen a number of updates recently and this morning from travel companies. Yes. So I think that's a sector that will. Uh, we'll look at it in some detail today. We've got two companies that we're going to discuss, but I think let's start with you know, sort of looking at the overall market. Now, of course, a little bit later on today, we're going to have inflation data from the United States that's eagerly awaited to see whether it's a meat beats or a, a miss. Now, you know, any deviation away from the expected figure is, is likely to have quite a sharp uh, reaction in markets as investors uh, reposition themselves for any changes in uh, in the Fed's thinking going forward. So that's going to be something closely watched. I'm sure we'll be updating on the podcast next week as to uh, the outcome from that. But Alan, let's look at the travel sector. Mm. Now, we're going to, as I said, we're going to be discussing two companies in, in TUI and on the beach a little bit later on. But just looking at the you know the broader picture for for travel and the, and the travel industry, we've spoke recently about you know the house builders being a bellwether for the UK economy, but given the supply chain issues that we're seeing in you know UK airports, uh, particularly you know, EasyJet for example, uh, British Airways, uh, part of IAG having to cancel flights, you know that does suggest that there's now, deep issues there within the supply chain here in the UK. And of course, it's not just limited to the UK. This is something that we're we're seeing across Europe. But in your view, Alan, how much do you feel that that you know, disruption in the supply chain and the problems that these companies are facing are representative of deeper issues within the, the UK economy at the moment? Well, I, th- I think, of course, the uh, when we spoke last week, John, we were just in the run up to the Bank of England statement. And of course, um, of course, it was absolute doom and gloom um, with with, uh, with the recession forecast, inflation peaking at 13 percent. So, of course, the forecasts are pretty gloomy. But what was remarkable, and I, I've been saying this to other people I've been speaking to this week, is that the FTSE barely twitched. You know, it was just business as normal. So the markets really have factored in the, the, the current situation. So although inflation is expected to rise, as we've said before, inflation the inflation is currently being driven by a particular set of factors, uh, primarily by, of course, the 
Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and of course, that's created havoc on the soft commodity front. Uh, Ukraine's a huge supplier to the world of, of food and soft commodities. So a lot of the uh, a lot of the the, uh, the supply has been held up at ports, and of course, there's now an agreement in place for that to keep moving. Um, so, so, so that's been alleviated somewhat. But then, of course, we have the energy supply issue too. You know, oil and gas, and we're being held to ransom with those prices going forward, and that really shows no sign of slowing down. Um, and Brexit, of course, contributed to higher costs. We've seen, uh, we've we've talked about building companies seeing uh, cost inflation, and that is a factor. And certainly, for the the travel industry, it's um, it, it is a factor with uncertainty as to whether the flights can get away, um, and of course, the issues with the running costs of hotels. Um, and one of the companies we're going to talk about this morning is very much exposed to that. So that is a real threat. And Going turning the clock back a few years, of course, we um, we spoke occasionally about Thomas Cook, which of course went into receivership, um, really based around the fact that um, the company still had these huge legacy assets, and um, the it was simply untenable to continue with running the airlines, uh, uh, running the hotels, um, and all of the costs that that entail, and that's something that um, I think. A lot of the older travel companies still have to face up to, and they're still battling to deal with. Um, so, so the travel industry is evolving. But in terms of cost inflation, um, I think I think the Bank of England have probably predicted it about right. I think they've been a little over a little over aggressive in some ways. But I think the market reaction to that forecast is very telling. You know, the market is quite comfortable with that. So obviously, if there is an improvement, then we could we could well see that translating into into a, a push high for the FTSE 100, and of course, US markets and global markets alike. Indeed, indeed. Now, of course, there's as you mentioned there, the Bank of England gave a particularly gloomy outlook for the UK economy going forward. I think it was 15 months uh, recession that yeah. they uh, that they predicted. I mean, that's uh, that's a fairly damning assessment of the, of the UK economy, and particularly pessimistic. But I mean, I'd, I'd go back to some of the recent figures that we saw from May, uh, from in terms of UK GDP. Now, of course, the UK is, uh, I mean, the UK economy is significantly dominated by the services um, sector, and you know, one of those elements within the services with the travel and tourism industry, which actually so shows some great strength. So. I mean, if we're sort of looking at, you know, the figures from TUI that we're going to go into, some of the other um, travel companies and how they've been so um, strong, there's this uh, notion of uh, vacation vengeance uh, coming through and people booking holidays after the, the pandemic, which I feel, you know, may have a positive, although it, you know, albeit quite a, quite a small component of UK GDP, I think there's some positivity to, to be had there. So that's yeah. something very closely to watch going forward, especially if we're looking at the, the travel and leisure companies on how that performs in the face of the cost of living crisis um, going forward. I, th- I think, you know, one of those um, elements for, for consumers that, that goes very quickly, of course, is their, um, their spending on, on holidays, you know, whether they choose an expensive one overseas or they choose to stay uh, for something a little bit cheaper in, in the UK is obviously a good indication of how people are uh, are feeling. So, 
something to keep a close eye on and, and hopefully we see some strength there and we don't see the doomsday scenario that was painted by the Bank of England. But of course, we have to keep a very close eye on the data there. So, Alan, let's move on to the first company we're going to discuss today, uh, TUI AG, formerly TUI Travellers, I remember, uh, for about 10 years ago. Um, it was a very popular stock mm. then. What's the, the latest updates from them, Alan? Well, of course, we've had uh, we've had a quarter three uh, training update, uh, which, you know, it, it's been... It hasn't been taken that well by the markets today, uh, although the shares uh, um, sort of dropped early in early trading. They're now a bit higher, up 1%, so so not necessarily uh, that bad. And certainly looking at the chart for the year, I mean, shares have been trading as high as one forty-five, uh, £1.45 on the year, um, and uh, sorry, as high as uh, as 2 two ninety £2.90 on the year. Currently trading one forty-four, just off year lows. And it does seem as though a floor is being laid down. And probably, um, I love that term, vacation vengeance. <laughs> I think that's a, that's, a, that's a great way to summarise how people are feeling right now. And certainly, we've all met them, John. You know, I've met sort of people and families who are saying, stuff it, I don't care. I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to fly to a hot climate. And, uh, um, you know, as... Uh, as uh, uh, followers of my personal account will see yesterday, you don't need to do that. You can just go and jump in the sea in Seaford here, which is like the Mediterranean zone. But that's a that's an aside. Um, but the fact is that TUI have uh, have grown um, the, the, their revenues uh, from six hundred forty nine uh, million to four point four billion. So so the um, there's increased travel. Uh, um, activity and tourism following the pandemic, which is to be expected. But of course, um, we discussed flight disruption, and that's set to continue. Um, so, and that's cost uh, TUI seventy-five million uh, euros to date. Um, you, you know, which is an awful lot of money. Um, but then, of course, the TUI is saddled with the huge costs of running an airline, and of course, the huge cost of running a hotel. And these are huge capital costs. And that was really the undoing of uh, Thompson, uh, 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 Thomas Cook um, a, a few years back. And uh, I think TUI managed to snap up some of the, um, some of the assets that Thomas Cook had. And so, so, of course, it has those economies of scale maybe that Thomas Cook didn't have. Um, and then we have other sort of players in the sector, of course, which uh, uh, some traditional uh, some traditional players like Hayes Travel, who bought up some of the now defunct Thomas Cook branches. So there is a business model there that works. Some people do like to just go down to the travel agent and book their holiday. But I suspect that that's the older generation. And obviously, looking forward, you can't build a business around that. Um, so TUI is having to evolve. Um, certainly, certainly, given its market share and given the control it has of the market, it's had a very strong third quarter um shares up shares up slightly this morning as i said but um but of course we've got this outlook that's uh, uncertain is co are we going to get a new variant of covid toward the end of the year um and of course there's all this uncertainty going forward but i think what we're seeing and what we'll continue to see um are a lot of people uh, booking last minute and uh taking advantage of deals that come up so um tui has said in its statement today that it's uh, focusing on trimming excess excess costs um, because it has this uh, debt pile of course the the uh, the issues uh, or the costs of maintaining and running that airline the uncertainty the costs of cancel flights 
Um, but it's got to, it's got to to manage that going forward and uh, and uh, look to to fine tune and streamline that huge cost base it has. Um, so, uh, g- given that scenario, I think there are better picks in the sector. And in fact, I'm going to be speaking about one very shortly, which I think has got the model right and um, is very much a beneficiary of the uh, of of the the failures of a company like Thomas Cook. Um, so TUI on balance, um, if I was a holder, I'd hold the shares, but. Um, I think uh, at this pro- as, at this moment in time, it's looking like it's bumping along the bottom. There may be a blip in the share price in the near term, and I'd probably look to take some money off the table at that point. But I certainly wouldn't be buying the shares myself right now. I mean, with uh, Tui here, Alan. I mean, do you think? And you, and you alluded to it there that you know it's a business model that has too many overheads in a world where people. Yeah are becoming increasingly digital in the manner that they're booking their holidays. Of course, you know, things like Airbnb, Booking.com um, and, and the likes, you know, you can jump on your phone and within a few minutes you can find somewhere and and, and book it. Um, of course, Skyscanner, you can find a, a flight um, cheaply. You know, is it a case that really that the industry has moved past TUI and, and it's just so cumbersome that it's not going to be able to, to catch up? Uh, you know, in the short term, or maybe ever. Well, I think there's. Uh, I think it's going to have to look at restructuring its overheads um, because because the thing is, we have this uncertainty, um, and as as we know in the travel industry, um, and you 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 summed it up yourself just now. You get on the phone, you book a holiday. You don't really care who it's with, um, you know, because all of the deals are pretty good out there. So. If you've got if you've got um, a deal out there and you're a digital specialist and you're making sure that when you pick up your phone and have a look, your holiday comes to the top of the list, then that's really what it's about nowadays. And I'm sure TUI have that same, or they, they have a, a very strong digital team to enable them to do that. Um, and of course, they can take advantage of the more traditional bookings. But nonetheless, those going forward, I think the uncertainty that we're facing the outlook at the moment um you know the the uh the, the specter of this uh, of inflation and the recession that's looming over the uk um ironically i don't think it'll affect the travel industry too much because i think people will just say i've had enough i'm you know i'm going to stick this holiday on the credit card i'm going to go you know uh, down the consequences and i think a lot of people will take that view uh which is fine if we've got a short brief recession but of course if it does drag out and it's it's longer then then that's a that's a completely different set, set of circumstances so so i think uh, i think I, i'd be a buyer of the right model in the space um but something like a company like tui i think you know it's it's very much old school even though they're doing everything they can to to bring it up to date and to streamline um overheads i just don't see that's a, a sustainable business model going forward Thank you. So let's now move on to a travel company, which is, you know, really built for, uh, you know, the, the more modern holiday maker, one one may say, you know, a more digital savvy um, holiday seeker. And that's, of course, On The Beach. Alan, they've updated recently. What does that look like? Well, On The Beach, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be expecting a, a full year trading update from them in the next uh 
four to six weeks. Um, and uh, I think um, I think it, it's going to make interesting reading. But what is also interesting is looking at the year chart. It's actually very similar to TUI. So everything I said about uh, Everything I said about TUI just now isn't necessarily borne out by the share price action. But I think going forward, um, this is where On The Beach and companies like On The Beach will come into their own. And of course, On The Beach, are a, they are specialists in supplying um, uh, uh, low-cost holidays. They've got uh, the, the, the businesses based around a very strong web and internet presence. And of course, uh, the holidays are booked online and... Um, and they have great relationships with all the, with the with the airlines and with uh, with the hotel suppliers to create and structure these holidays. So um, the the last significant update we had from the group was at the end of May, which was the interim results up to March, and uh, the company showed really good growth. So sales growth of six percent um, uh, versus the versus the first half of 2019, but of course up 322% versus the first half of 2021. Um, revenues up to just under 53 million, up from 4.4 million in 2021. So in terms of proportion, we're seeing a similar jump in revenues from the beach as we are with TUI Travel. Um, and uh, and and the, the, group, uh, the group reduced its loss before tax to 14 million, from 14.6 million previously to 7 million. Um, and of course, that's down from 21 million loss uh, last year. So uh, sales in September, October last year exceeded 2019. Omicron did impact, but um, but the, the, the company is seeing, so it's currently seeing uh, resilient sales um, uh, going forward. Although it's cautious about the consumer environment, um, the, the uh, TV exec Simon Cooper said they're very excited about the progress made in attracting premium customers <clears throat> on the back of the relaxation of travel restrictions. Um, the company is very confident that it's in upfront investment into the brand when it first launched and its overall proposition will ensure the group trades profitably in the second half of the year and will be well placed to to grow market share. So everything we said just now about the, the big overheads uh, from companies like TUI, um, these are these are absent at uh, on the beach, and it'll get to a point where um, the, the company delivers profitability in the second half, um, and then its offer accelerates. Um, they they could be taking market share away from TUI, and this is a company that I think, given uh, where the current where the current levels are, um, although they're in a similar situation to TUI in regard to uncertain outlook, inflation, all of those factors. Um, I still believe that uh, certainly the great British public will say, stuff it, I'm going away on holiday, I'm going to stick it on a credit card, damn the consequences. And of course, um, OTB will be a huge, uh, a huge beneficiary of that. When you're scrolling through your phone, you're likely to see an on the beach holiday come to the top of the list. So from that standpoint, it's a very strong offer. Um, and certainly the share price now, I mean, we're, we're literally just off year lows at 110p. Um, uh, year low is, is, is a pound. Uh, down from year highs of four pounds. So I think there's a lot of scope for recovery here with this company. Um, and certainly if I was to invest into a travel stock at this juncture, this would be the one I'd go for. Indeed, indeed. Now, one thing that I'm going to be looking at with particular interest will be the margins uh, that we see from On the Beach 
in their next update. Yes. See how those revenues came through and how much uh, of that translated through in particular into EBITDA, um, you know, what their, their costs look like, what they're spending on marketing, uh, because a business like this, it's heavily digital. You know, some of the best performing on a, on a return on capital basis um, are those ones that are heavily digital, right move, auto trader, you know, similar business here with On The Beach. Of course, it's travel. Uh, so that's something that I'm going to be keenly watching when we get an update from them in due course. So now, Alan, let's finish off with ECR Minerals. When we've discussed on the podcast previously, um, I've been following their Twitter feed over the past few weeks, and there's been a lot going on. Um, if you're able to summarise that, please. Of course. So ECR Minerals, um, ECR Minerals are a gold explorer focused in Australia. They have... Um, they have a number of key uh, exploration assets in uh, Victoria region. Um, Bayliston, the Bayliston asset, which includes the HR3 prospect, uh, the Blue Moon prospect, uh, Cherry Tree prospect, which is approximately 30 kilometers east of the Fosterville gold mine, which is one of the most successful gold mines in the world. And indeed, the head grades coming out of Fosterville are very similar to some of the grades that have been um, identified um, at uh, uh, at the Bayliston asset and certainly across the HR3 asset. Um, the company also has the Kresic asset too, and Kresic is north of Ballarat. There's a very famous Naravine gold mine at Ballarat, and uh, uh, um, ECR announced earlier this year that it had secured a further license area, which is between Ballarat itself and the current Kresic license, through which an alluvial gold anomaly is believed to run. So there is work undertaking, uh, being undertaken at the moment to look at the, the soil there and also the rock chip samples that are being brought in. Um, the, company, the company conducted a drilling campaign last year in Kresic, so they're operating close to there where they believe there are, are, are further discoveries to be made. But yesterday we had an announcement from the group um, that uh, the, the, the uh, predominant um, campaign for the group has been uh, at the Bayliston asset, where the company has been undertaking an intensive drilling campaign, um, headed up by the technical director, Adam Jones, who I spoke with yesterday. We put that interview out yesterday afternoon. Um, and Adam was, uh, you know, very excited by what they're finding there because um, when you drill, uh, when you drill into an asset, you don't necessarily go straight down. You might go at forty degrees, thirty degrees, um, if you believe there's a geological anomaly under the ground there. So what they've done, they've drilled into areas, and they've got now got a picture of uh, what, an area they call the Maori anticline, which is a folding series of rocks. And through the drilling work they've done, they've identified what they believe are two mineralized corridors. And these mineralized corridors um, uh, are run over a considerable area and are believed to uh, contain mineralization because, Adam said, literally every time we pop a drill in the ground there now, we get to a certain level and we're straight into mineralization and we get gold grades back. And certainly they um, highlighted yesterday hole 32, um, uh, uh, grades of 4.8 grams per ton and 6.1 grams per ton um, from 154 meters down. Um, very similar. I mean, some of the grades they pulled out early this year, they pulled the highest grades out uh, yet, um, uh, so, so, uh, which were 
which were um, uh, uh, obviously uh, considerably higher than um, than than the uh, the whole thirty two. But uh, across these two mineralized corridors, they believe there's considerable potential for um, a, a, an asset there, and you know, um, so many many thousands of, of ounces of gold in the ground. But uh, of course, there, we're still awaiting <coughs> results on seven further drill holes. So once they've got those back, then I think they can. They'll uh, the uh, Adam will sit down with Chief Executive Andrew Haythorpe, who is also a geologist, and they will uh, they, they will put a that they will conduct a cold tail assessment of what they believe is underground there, and of course they can then conduct next steps. Um, the other asset at um, at uh, Bailiston, which is of particular interest, is Blue Moon, and Blue Moon is a much wider <coughs> excuse me, it's a much wider. Uh, geological anomaly it's spread over a large area and it's believed that um, this contains uh, you know mineralization very similar to current levels that have been discovered but again this would be over a much wider area so uh, re- really exciting the group um, uh, drilled uh, um, uh, ECR drilled uh, uh, blue moon in 2019 some of the best results at that point were 17.8 grams per ton um, and uh, uh, and uh, similar numbers across the area, so they're re- they're returning to Blue Moon. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna see drilling uh, commence in the next few weeks, and uh, we'll have some 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 data back from that. Hopefully, it won't take as long as the previous previous assay results, but we'll have that data back, and of course, they can conduct an assessment. But um, the shares really um, don't reflect, I believe, um, the value of the assets because. Um, ECR has two properties that it still owns in Victoria, which are probably worth uh, well over a million uh, pounds sterling. They've just agreed to sell one of the properties they own there. That's raised them 980,000 Australian dollars, which is about 550,000 pounds sterling. So that will go straight back into the coffers to fund the exploration ongoing. So ECR doesn't need funding it's it's uh, it's got it's got plenty of money in house uh, it also made money by the way on that property sale so the 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 victoria property market's very strong at the moment and it currently has a valuation of just 10 million and i think um, you know if these assets in the ground are proved up then this is going to look like chicken feed and at a price just below a penny at the moment it looks to me to be uh, one of the bargains of the century but then again you know that's just my opinion do your own research Yes, yes, indeed. And I think, Adam, we, we spoke about it on the podcast very recently, but I think, as you mentioned there, there's a massive disconnect between ECR's share price and the underlying value or potential value of their assets. Now, that's something that's not just happening at ECR. That's viewable um, across all of the, the junior resource sector um, and AIM Metals and Mining Companies. I mean, is there any signs that you see, Alan, that, that we're starting to see a plateau? I mean, I'm, I'm just flicking through uh, the, the sector here and, you know, all of the chart um, setups look yeah. pretty much the same. You know, we, we've um, gone into a sharp decline into the summer. It started to move sideways. Um, I mean, do you think the next, um, you know, if, if you take the, the sector as a whole, the, the next move could be a slight uptick as, sentiment starts to improve improve around the sector yeah i do very much sense we are bumping along the bottom at the moment it's uh 
it's it's been it's been a very difficult time for small cap stocks. You know, let's make no bones about it. And I know I know a lot of investors I speak to are are hurting. You know, and sitting on on losses. And but I mean, you know, I, I'm also engaged in this market with shareholdings too. And you know, I feel the pain. So I'm you know I'm in the same position. But I do see um, in terms of share price action, uh, we are very much seeing this bumping along the bottom at the moment and uh and i think uh i think you know given the uncertainty um in the, the global uncertainty at the moment the, the, the macro picture you know gold is a safe haven asset and any company that's proving up asset uh, proving up gold assets is going to be a beneficiary of that and i think ecr is about to uh, it, well i think it's uh, on the verge of making something making a fairly significant significant discovery but that's that's just my opinion Yes, yes. And I mean, if, if you look at you know, the junior resource sector and you, you overlay it with the price of nickel, um, for example, copper, uh, of course, there's a very high correlation there. And we're starting to see, you know, some of those metals start to plateau as well. So that correlation, I think, will continue if we start to see uh, a move through this talk of recession and we start to see um, a bit of positivity coming through. I'm sure that will move up in line with metal prices uh, as the year progresses. If we don't see any major downside in the economy, especially a situation that the Bank of England is predicting. So just to round up here of the stocks discussed today, uh, first up was TUI with a ticker of TUI. It was then on the beach with a ticker of OTB. And we finished off with ECR Minerals, which has a ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 